Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show as I speak. What is the day? Wednesday, February 7th, 2024. Before I bring on my distinguished guest, let's see what's in the newspaper today. So here's a story... (laughs) I haven't talked about this in a while. We used to talk about it all the time. <clears throat> it's like nostalgia. Here's the headline, Sun-Times. Smollett asked state Supreme Court to overturn conviction for lying about hate crime. <laughs> Jesse Smollett, man. Let's just pause and think about this. This story has been around since 2019. That is like, it's now... Five years this story's been around. I think it's just time we all let it go. But I can't let it go, people. I'm obsessed with this story on many, many levels. People, I used to talk about this show, so, this, excuse me, this, this item so much back in the 2019. I continue converse, conversing about it, have guests come on, we talk about it. I am now at the point where I am in um, agreement with Jesse Smollett. Let it go. Drop the charges. Let the man just go about with his life. He's been humiliated enough. I agree with, um, he lost his last, uh, his appeal in front of a appellate uh, three-judge panel. But I agreed with the judge, uh, former alderwoman, uh, Fredrina Lyle. She used to be the alderwoman of the sixth ward. I'm probably the only person in the city of Chicago other than Justice for Gina Lyle who remembers that. But no, I, I agreed with the first time I ever voted for. Okay, my distinguished guest has uh, jumped in. We'll bring him on. I'll introduce him in a little while. But um, so I'm, I'm, I guess there's three of us who remember that she was an older woman in the sixth ward. My distinguished guest, me, and the justice herself. But I'm with you, Justice Lyle. Uh, enough's enough. 
uh, Jesse Smollett, just let the thing go. You humiliated him. He has been humiliated. Dave Chappelle did a great job of humiliating him. Uh, it's uh, still funny to watch that video. We all know he made up the story. But I'm going to put it to you, all you MAGA types out there who hate Jesse Smollett because he was obviously a guilty when he proclaimed his innocence. Where is your appreciation for the truth when it comes to Donald John Trump, MAGA? I'm asking you, MAGA. You go, oh, Jesse Smollett, man, he made up that story. It's unbelievable. He lied. You can't, you can't tolerate liars, Ben. That's MAGA. But when it comes to Donald John Trump, we all saw the insurrection that he led. <laughs> MAGA's like, no, no, it wasn't an insurrection, even though we saw it. He clearly, Donald John Trump, violates the section of the 14th Amendment that will deny him access to the ballot because he participated in an insurrection. Obviously, clearly, he should be booted off the ballot. But you watch, the Supremes are going to bend over backwards to keep him on the ballot. They'll cook up some cockamamie excuse, and they'll justify it. And that's how they do it. So when it comes to Justice Millett, it's like, you, we can't punish him enough. Keep punishing him because he lied. When it comes to Donald John Trump, we love you, Donald. We'll do whatever you say. Anyway, that's when I see Justice Millett, it all comes together. All right, without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest, uh, who knows who uh, Alderwoman Virginia Lyle is, to introduce himself. Distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Ben, um, thanks for having me. I am State Senator Willie Preston. I represent the sweet 16th district um, that hails from Chicago's south side and the southwest suburbs. So our district goes pretty much from the Chicago Skyway to the east, um, and we run as far west as Payless Hills. So everything everything in between. We have Inglewood, Auburn Gresham. I was born and raised in Inglewood. I, I, I currently live along with my wife and our six children in Auburn Gresham. Um, we have West Chatham. We have Scottsdale, Wrightwood um, community where my wife is from. Um, all the way to Oaklawn, Burbank, Bridgeview, Justice, Illinois, and Hickory Hills and Payless Hills. So we have a, a, a very diverse district there, and I'm very proud to be representing it. Yes, and before uh, and before we go any further, uh, a little shout out to Anthony Jackson. I see you, Anthony. Uh, from the moment that Senator Preston was elected, he goes, Ben, you have to have Senator Preston on the show. So, Anthony, you know I do whatever you tell me. Ha ha. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> it just takes a while. And uh, so good to have you on. Welcome aboard, uh, yeah, Senator Anthony Preston. Jackson is a doyen of politics and um, someone that I truly respect. Um, he's a real friend. I, I've known the guy since he was like, eight or something like that. Lord knows. All right. Uh, enough on Anthony. And uh, when I hear Auburn Gresham, I, it's like how my mind works. This is how my mind works, uh, Senator Preston. I think uh, Father Flager and I think Alderman David Moore. Is that accurate to think of those two when you hear the uh, Auburn Gresham? I think it's, I think that is accurate. Um you know, Alderman um, David Moore obviously represents uh, Auburn Gresham. 
in the in the city council. I represent all of Auburn Gresham myself in the um, in, in the legislature. And um, Father Mike has been a fixture in the Auburn Gresham community for for many many decades. Well, I uh, Father Mike and I do not always see eye to eye on everything. I'm well, we don't need that. them, but that's that's yeah. You know, Father Mike and I don't always see eye to eye on, on, on things all the time. But you know what? Uh, what my focus is, is trying to find those areas where we do. And to that degree, um, I think that, you know, we're starting to see some 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 real movement. And, and just to add to that, you know, me and Alderman Moore don't tend to see anything alike. <laughs> so, you know, but I will continue to do my best to try to work with anybody. Uh, Alderman Moore uh, is a friend of the show. He's been on a few times, and I don't agree with Alderman Moore on everything either, and he doesn't agree with me on everything either, but uh, I welcome him back to the show. Uh, in terms of uh, Father Flager, I was just thinking about this, um, uh, Willie, that I, I was I, – I can think of the, um, the issues I was on the opposite side of Father Flager was uh, the Children's Museum in Grand Park. I was just thinking about this the other day and um, the Lucas Museum on the lakefront. But I'm with him 100 percent on this latest thing where he said that don't bring the Democratic Convention to Chicago federal government if you're not going to bring money to deal with our homeless situation. So. Father Flager, I'm with you on that one, okay? I haven't been with you on all the things, the stands you've taken, uh, and you were a little too close to daily for my taste. But uh, on this particular issue, um, I'm with you 100%. So that, I had to get that out of the way. Do you have any position on that one, uh, Willie, before we move on to other matters? You know, I think that, first and foremost, I support the DNC coming to our city. It has massive benefits um, in the way of, bringing everybody to the epicenter of um, the democratic politics in this in this city I think that it would be um, I think it'd be irresponsible for us to call for uh, the DNC to not come to Chicago because there's no benefit in that so I don't agree with that at all uh, I have called for you know us to address the homelessness situation here and I don't think that you know what I heard at least was, Father Mike says, don't bring the DNC here unless you're going to house the homeless while you're here. Um, and if that's the case, then I'm, you know, I don't think that that's, that's a serious proposal at all because this is a systemic issue. I think that we, um, we should address it. I am, you know, personally um, one of the people that don't believe that we should be, a, you know, we should be appropriating or diverting so many resources towards the migrant crisis um, because, it is undermining the 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 helping homeless people in the city and in the state that we've said for decades we didn't have the ability that to do more because we didn't have resources. So I represent a community band where people are vocally frustrated seeing um, it appears we have the ability to print money to help. You know, in that situation with the migrants, and we still haven't done it. I can tell you, there was, I don't know if you're aware of this, but in the black community, uh, you know, there's been a long understanding that the homeless um, people in our communities often try to sleep in the police stations when it got very cold. And they were always getting kicked out of the police station. That's like a, if you live in neighborhoods like Inglewood, where I was born and raised, uh, you know, that's kind of something like you just know 
That's that's the thing. All the homeless are going to try to sleep in a police station. And so for those who are unaware um, and who live in our city, when so many residents saw of all places, the police stations being used as shelter for migrants, it was devastating to um, seniors, older black women, older black men, people in the black community, because it was just such a glaring and stark uh, governance of our, our police stations here in Chicago because we had saw for, we felt terrible seeing homeless people out freezing in the city of Chicago and not being able to take shelter in the police station. So it was, it was ironic that that was used as places to house the migrants for, for many, many black people. For anybody who didn't understand the outrage behind it, imagine seeing your, you know, folks, you wouldn't, you know, like to see them being helped and they weren't. And, you know, for it to turn around the way that it did, it was pretty, it was, it was, it was a sight for us to see. I, uh, Wow, we're really on a tangent, uh, but let's go there, uh, and then we'll come back to uh, it, introducing. I haven't even really uh, adequately inter- or allowed you to s- introduce yourself to my listeners your first time on the show, but I love how you just, like, jump on an issue. You're not afraid to address it, so I have to give you credit for that. Um, I'm with uh, uh, Jeanette Taylor on this one. Uh, she speaks for me. I speak for her, whatever, on this particular issue. Uh, it's outrageous, in my humble opinion, that the city of Chicago has not met the needs of all the homeless uh, and working in conjunction with the state of Illinois and President Biden, uh, the federal government. I, one more time, I say this all the time, Willie, the, the mayor of the city of Chicago is a Democrat. The governor of the state of Illinois is a Democrat. The president of the United States is a Democrat. You mean to tell me they can't find the money in uh, budgets that are worth tens of billions of dollars to deal with all the homeless problems in the city of Chicago. Put people to work in your district, in Auburn, Gresham. Put them to work building housing. If they aren't trained, train them. Let's take this crisis and turn it into an opportunity. Why the city of Chicago, uh, Senator Preston, doesn't do this, I do not know. We're all right. We're all set. We'll do everything before we address these homeless needs. We'll do everything before we put people in Auburn Gresham to work. We'll build the Bears a new stadium. We'll build the Sox a new stadium. We'll redo the North Side five times. I, I've been in this town since 1981, Willie Preston. I don't even think you were born when I moved no, to not. Chicago. No, <laughs> not. Nothing is except for like four years when Harold Washington was the mayor. You know, it was like that was when we tried equity in the city. And then when unfortunately he died, we went back to the same game. So I'm with you, actually, on that one. Uh, It's outrageous uh, that the city has ignored the needs of your community for so many years. Um, All right. Why don't you talk a little about yourself? Introduce yourself, uh, Willie Preston. Go ahead. So I am, you know, I'm, I'm a husband and a father. I was born and raised in the city of Chicago. Um, as is my wife, and we have six children. We're raising them in the Auburn Gresham community. We're proud of that. Um, you know, uh, look, I was the least likely um, person to be an elected official, uh, given the fact that you know we come from a town, as they say, and you're 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 familiar with this. Nobody wants you unless somebody sent you, and the problem is no one sent me. Um, <laughs> 
you know, and I didn't have a family dynasty. I don't come from a family dynasty in, in politics. Um, you know, my trajectory was much like many of the, you know, my friends who many of which are no longer here. Um, and that was to either end up in prison or to be killed because quite frankly, the truth of the matter is I was, I was born and I was raised in Inglewood and I had, I, you know, I jumped out and participated in everything that all the local kids did there. You know, I saw uh, at the highest level of success in my community were drug dealers. Those were the people that employed people. They, 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 they seemed to have all of the, the power and authority. And like many kids, you know, coming up in that time in the 90s, you know, I adored them and wanted to, you know, and, and wanted to be like them. Well, fate would have it. Um, that I would find my, my now wife and we were two young kids and she got pregnant and like a light switched off and I started to listen to my father and the people that truly cared about me and started trying to work every job I could work and leave all of that, you know, the stuff that I was learning in the streets alone. And so I often tell my children that I had to unlearn so many things um, that I learned because, you know, they just weren't appropriate. So from there, I started working every job. I actually went to Job Corps uh, and got my got my GED um, because I went to, originally went to Paul Robeson High School on the South Side. Now Inglewood STEM, um, which is a high school that I represent as senator, um, you know. But I, I I didn't complete high school. I went and got my my, my GED at Job Corps. My grandmother um, helped me get in the program, and I uh, I benefited from that. And I met my wife and then I just started working because I wanted to be a good, good dad. I wanted to be around to be a father. And I started working everything. So I've worked from 87th and um, Dan Ryan at the Home Depot. I've worked at St. Bernard Hospital uh, as a janitor. I was a part of SEIU at the time. Um, I cut meat as a butcher before uh, for two dollars and some odd change. Um, they didn't tell me when they hired me, they would pay me two bucks or something an hour. They just told me, I'm going to pay you whatever it was, like 300 something bucks. And then just told me I was going to work 12 hours for seven days. And I, I did a little math and realized that wasn't working out. So I, I worked my butt off um, and, and figured out something better to do. And I tell you that because that's, you know, that story about my trajectory and, uh, you know, the things that I did from childhood up into a young adult. Ultimately, I became a, um, a carpenter, by the way, uh, and ultimately started my small business with my wife, Preston Construction. And I say that story. It's one that I used to be a bit ashamed of, especially um, when I you know, first started getting involved in politics. Everybody had these illustrious you know, stories about you know, the prestigious high schools and prestigious colleges and universities that they attended, law schools and the like. Um, and I was pretty much self-study. And so I've, I've, I've evolved into really appreciating my story because it is such an American story where, you know, you might start off in this place and you don't have to end there. And that's the beauty of this country when we're working at it, you know, when it's working for people that, you know, live in this country. And that's, that's what's great about it. I tell my children and other young people that you don't know where you're going to be. I ran for state representative some years back and 
you know, again, they're saying nobody wants you unless somebody sent you. And I, I jumped up and I ran for state representative. I thought I would do a great job. And, you know, um, sure, they, 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 they threw everything and the kitchen sink at me. And uh, I ran against I ran against ran against state representative Mary Flowers. And I often tell people I felt like I ran against former speaker Mike Madigan um, and they slaughtered me. But, you know, I think my upbringing from a child and what I experienced in, in the streets of Chicago and, you know, what I my work career and the things that I had to take on those jobs is being a janitor, just being a gritty Chicago and, you know, working, you know, trying to work it and trying to make it. It gave me the tenacity to not give up. And so after I got my butt completely kicked, I, I never stopped. I was an activist already. I continued to do things in my community. Um, and then I ran for a bigger office a few years um, later, which was state senator, the, the office I'm proud to be serving in at this moment. And we had a tremendous victory without um, without much established support. All right. Hold on. Hold on before we go to state senator, because I have to ask you something uh takes you back in the story. So before we go to the state center, I have to ask you this. Okay. So you described uh, your upbringing and uh, that culminated with you uh, leaving Robeson early, didn't graduate. You eventually got your GED. Yeah. Uh, so clearly, and I'm assuming this, but I'm, I'm guessing this is true. You were not uh, politically aware back in those days, like in 2000, 2001, or et cetera, that phase of your life, 2002. Uh, and what was it that sort of turned the light on in your head uh, about our political system and made you want to participate? Go ahead. Well, that's a very interesting story. Uh, but I'm going to tell you something. I actually was, and here's why. I was, in my earliest memories in life, Ben, were me sitting on my father's lap as a very small boy um, watching Larry King live. Generally, I have suspenders on. I think I hearken it back to Larry King. Credit him for that. Uh, watch, watching the Gulf War with my father. My father was fascinated with politics. There wasn't many people around that cared anything about it, but my dad was happened to be one of those people. He had participated in Mary Harold Washington's campaign. My mom describes our childhood, my, our home, uh, and him were helping uh, Chief Judge Tim Evans um, thereafter as being a mini campaign office. I don't remember any of that, but I do remember watching Larry King live and CNN and that stuff with my father. So even while I was running around, um, you know, in the streets, trying to be the, 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 the toughest boy in the city, um, you know, I would, I, I joke with my wife, I would sneak and me and my guys would be listening to, be honest with you, we would be smoking blunts and listening to G unit 50 cent. And when they would fall asleep, I would run um, to watch Keith Overman come back on at, at midnight. And I, I would be listening to Keith Overman and watching things that were going on. I always had a fascination for, for politics, but I never saw myself as someone that was um, going to be a politician myself, but I was always fascinated by it. You know, it took some opportunities that were, you know, were given to me by uh, former state representative Ken Duncan, actually, um, and I became an intern for him and he put me in some very, some, some rooms with former speaker, Mike Madigan, 
the late, great Karen Lewis and other lawmakers across the city and state. And I think I, that, I, re, I distinctively remember sitting in the room, Esther Gorla and all these other folks, and I said to myself, I can be a state rep. I, I, will, I should, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a try. I always cared about my community. I was always curious as to why we were in the conditions that we were in in Inglewood when I lived in a city where my grandmother would take us downtown and we would go to Michael Jordan's Steakhouse. And uh, some of the older guys in the neighborhood say they always joke to this day that when I was a little kid, my grandmother took us to Michael Jordan's Steakhouse. And they asked us, where are we going all dressed up? And I said, we're going to Michael Jordan's Steakhouse. We're rich. We're going downtown. And they laughed about that, you know. And I tell that story because it's also, I re- always remember thinking about my community and why we were in the situation we were in. So I was always fascinated by politics. I just didn't think it was for me. Uh, certainly not, in, not, not to be an elected official myself. But that's where opportunities and, um, but. Yeah. A lot to respond to. A lot to respond to on that riff. Number one, Larry King was a legend. May he rest in peace. He was so good at what he did. And I, I've watched Larry King for years. Or listen, I actually listened to him on the radio, uh, Willie, and I, like how gifted he was, his ability to make transitions. I'm still in amazement of it. Uh, you know, he had. I don't know if you ever heard his his uh, what is when he'd be riffing at late at night. And uh, it's so somebody would be calling in Chattanooga, hello. You know what I mean? Like, so <laughs> Chattanooga, hello. Uh, what's your question, sir? And uh, so a legend uh, and uh, Michael Jordan's restaurant. I took my kids there uh, and the macaroni and cheese was pretty good. Uh, and um, but the Ken Duncan. Now let's get to Ken Duncan. I, I have something. I've known Ken Duncan for a long time. And uh, there's a political junkies that are listening to this show, uh, Senator. So they know the name Ken Duncan. Uh, they probably remember that uh, he's a Democrat, came from the north side, uh, the Cabrini Green area. And he made one of the most fundamental errors a politician can make. And I'm going to tell you what I think the Ken Duncan error is, and then you respond. Okay? So... For whatever reason, uh, he really was chafing under the control of Michael Joseph Madigan, the House Speaker. Okay, and I can understand that. Michael Joseph Madigan ran that place. You know, there was no dissent. You had to do what he said. You had to follow the line, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, and there are many legislators who were locked out of the process because they ran afoul of the Speaker. Okay, but if you're going to challenge the man. You have to challenge the man on an issue that matters to your constituents. And if you do that, you will be reelected. Because one thing about Chicagoans, they will stand up for someone they think is standing up for them. But Ken Duncan ran, challenged the man on the issue of joining Bruce Rauner and cutting aid to uh, poor women at, who depend on uh, assistance to uh, raise their families. And that was the kiss of death. I personally believe that Ken Duncan would have defeated whoever Michael Madigan put up to run against him, even if Barack Obama came out against him, okay? Had he been standing up for the people of his district, had he been, like, Madigan wanted the cuts, and Ken Duncan said, no, I'm not going along with these cuts. Instead, he went along with Rauner's cuts. (laughs) So 
why would anybody in his district support him? That to me is um, the Ken Duncan uh, fatal flaw. Your thoughts? You know, um, I was obviously at that point not involved. Uh, I wasn't with the with the representative at that time. What I can tell you is um, the representative said something quite often, and that was trust the youth. And he gave me an opportunity. I, I mean, I came to the to the rep when you know Mr. Jackson. Uh, was his chief of staff and he's a couple of years younger than me. Uh, and that was about 13 years ago or something, some, some odd years um, ago. And I respected that Ken Duncan and I do to this day. Now, right now it seems his name will never uh, end in some political controversy. And, and folks have often asked me about, you know, there are certain folks in labor who asked me about him and, you know, they, they say things that are not so flattering. What I will say um, to you is what I said to them. Ken Duncan, I know, was a very good lawmaker, uh, really committed to the people in his district and poured into me as a young person. And I saw so many other young people to, you know, he, that the representative poured into. And I would like to see more of that at large in the state and, and, and other elected officials. I think our communities would be um, so much greater if we saw more of those features that Ken exhibited so well. But I agree. I think that that was a political blunder um, uh, for the representative that had serious um, consequences for his political career. Um, I think that there are some folks, you know, now that may be mimicking um, that that sort of, you know, process. And I don't think that, you know, what you're seeing in the mimicking is justifiable as perhaps it was for the former speaker, um, you know, because as you just suggested, that this was not an issue that our community was dying to have a champion over. So, you know, quite the opposite. So I, I, I will tell you that Ken was a great lawmaker. He made a strategic political blunder. Um, and, you know, I don't think that we should harp on the political blunder as much as we can talk about some of the successes, um, political successes that he did that really made a real positive impact to our community, like bringing in the movie industry. I would think we would be thinking about some of those positive things he did in higher education, like with the MAP grants, things that I benefited from, many people benefited from. I mean, he was his teacher. He, 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 I mean, he was legislator of the year several times for the Chicago Teachers Union uh, under the leadership at the time of great, uh, the late great Karen Lewis. So, I like to really, whenever the representative's name comes up, I'd like to focus on those things because that's the Ken Duncan that I that, that I got introduced to, and they gave me the opportunities uh, to actually believe that I could do more than, you know, just stand on the sidelines. That I could participate in our um, in our government as an actual lawmaker, representative of the communities that I represent now. So. That's my that, that that's my takeaway. You know, I become Mr. Positive, um, you, you know, now because that's where I'm getting the best outcomes, and I and that's what I like to focus on. Fair enough. I I, I and uh, you're absolutely correct, particularly with the movie industry. He was the one who pointed out to me uh, the inequities in the movie industry and how there are not uh, enough uh, black people working in the movie industry, even though the state of Illinois was subsidizing movies. 
uh, that were made here. And uh, so I got to give him a lot. I got to give him a shout out on that one. Absolutely. He was ahead of his time on some issues. Uh, and you're right. I should, I should, I, it's derelict of me just to focus on the end. Uh, but man, was that a blunder. All right, enough of that. Uh, and uh, so that's how you got involved in politics. And you ran a state senator, uh, as I recall, uh, Senator Collins' district. She stepped down, so it was a vacant seat, correct? Is my memory correct in that? Yes, yes. And um, Senator Collins um, retired from the Senate and ran for Congress. Uh, it was after former Congressman Bobby Rush, um, you know, dropped the bombshell that he wouldn't seek re-election which sent, uh, I think, pretty much all the Southside politicians into a frenzy to determine, um, you know, who would, who would succeed him. Ultimately, uh, my good friend, uh, Congressman Jonathan Jackson, ultimately was able to, um, to win. And, but he, uh, like myself, uh, we both were running in those open primaries. And so I, I had an, um, a couple of opponents ultimately fizzled out to just be being one other, uh, my former opponent and myself. And man, that was, I'm so glad that I had ran against um, Representative Flowers prior to that, because after the whooping her and the, the party gave me, uh, I had gotten a real education about, you know, politics and campaigns in Chicago. So when it came time for this open primary where I ran, um, you know, it was a similar lineup, you know, a, a, a lot, pretty much the entire establishment um, supported my former opponent and we worked it. I mean, and we worked it so well that we ended up winning by a pretty significant margin. We won about nine, we won by nine and a half percent in a two way race, which was pretty, pretty good given the, uh, you know, the gaps in, in money and, all the other tools and, you know, endorsements and everything that my opponent would, you know, enjoy, we did extremely well. And again, I often like to use this word um, right now to encourage young people and just people in general. It takes a, it took resilience to go to, to get to the state Senate because we had such um, just so inequitable in terms of like campaign cash and, endorsements and all that stuff you had to we fought every door and we organized each community and that made me a better candidate i believe that process makes me a better lawmaker today uh, because there's no it wasn't handed to me i had to work for it i appreciate the opportunity to serve and i truly do see it in that fashion as some an opportunity for me to serve my people so there are going to be some serious battles that are going to take place here in Springfield. Um, I'm actually engaged in a serious battle right now about my, you know, a, a piece of legislation um, that I'm carrying. Um, the food additive, the Illinois Food Safety Act is what I call it. But that, it matters. And nothing that is worth it is going to be given easily. Um, and nothing that is worth having is not worth fighting for. And so I think that I have been primed and prepped and positioned to be able to take on some of these serious fights so that we can protect our children and protect all of us and this and the food that we're eating. So at some point in the, in the conversation, I'm sure we're going to discuss hopefully that um, my food out of the bill, Senate Bill 2637, that is, you know, a piece of legislation that I hope you and your listeners 
and every Illinoisan, quite frankly, every American will get, you know, will, will, will learn about and get involved in and take a position either way because it's just that. Let's let's go there. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is uh, our there was an editorial in the Chicago Sun-Times uh, endorsing your efforts uh, on this front. Um, and uh, so let's talk about it. Um, explain what you're trying to do uh, with this bill and why it's so important in your humble opinion. So what I'm what I'm seeking to do in this bill is to ban five food additives that are linked to serious health risks. Those five food additives are found in many of the um, products that we all enjoy. You're talking about brominated vegetable oil, potassium bromate, red dye number three. Um, you know, you are talking about propyl paraben and titanium dioxide, all of which have been linked to serious health risks. You're, you know, behavioral issues, hyperactivity in children, cancer, thyroid issues, um, empirical evidence, study after study after study have proven that these food additives are not only clearly linked to these health risks, but there are alternatives. There, there are alternatives that are safe um, to use. And that's when this legislation, I call for the prohibition of those five food additives and as well as some studying of some others that are, that have also been linked um, to some serious health risk. That's a big fight. You know, I went to a trip, I went to Israel just before the attacks from Hamas. And, you know, one of my biggest takeaways, and there were many, but one of my biggest takeaways was from my tour guide, Ben. He, he just abruptly asked me, have you know, ever noticed anything about us in this country? And I said, you know, what's that? And he says, no one's fat. And I think my response, my face facial expression was kind of a recoil because I'm an American and I'm proud of it. And I just felt a little bit of an attack. And he says, no, 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 no. I'm from Brooklyn originally, but I've been here 30 years. And you know what? We just don't allow all that stuff in our food supply like you all do over there. He's like, my friends, man, it's terrible. They call me. All of them are catching cancer. No, no, that's not like that over here. They're catching all these diseases. And it's because the food is what he said to me. And so this wasn't an issue that was I came to the legislature to fight for. But when I got back, I looked at what California was doing. I talked to some other folks who are in the political way, if you will, and asked, what are we doing in this front? And found that we weren't doing anything. And I thought it was something that we needed to take up. So we did some more research. We drafted the bill, filed it. And shortly, a couple months later, I got a call from the Secretary of State, um, Alexi Janulius saying that it was an amazing bill. He was he thanked me for drafting and filing it and asked if he could, you know, be a part of it, said he wanted to throw his full support behind it. And he came on as a, as a strong proponent. Many of the health advocates across the country have been reaching out and we're fighting for work. But there's some real serious um, opponents. And those are the really big food industry um lobbying block that stand to put millions of dollars in to say this ain't going to happen because they have a bottom line um, that this is going to impact. And I'm going to tell you, I think that it's so incumbent upon every person who has some knowledge about this legislation, look into it. 
And if you do, I think you will conclude that this is all about money and not the health uh, of the people of the state of Illinois. And that's what my concern is. My concern is about our health, because as a father, Ben, I feel guilty. As somebody who brings in products with these food additives, uh, I am setting my own family up, my own children for devastating health risk. And I I got a problem with that. And I think about some, I think about children in places like Inglewood where I grew up and other communities that are struggling that are part of a food at the Auburn Gresham, unfortunately, other, you know, recent leadership and at the Alderman's level uh, have solved so many grocery stores leave our community, but people are increasingly in Auburn Gresham relying on gas stations to get their food. You're talking about children being who through no fault of their own are leaving out from the moment they leave out of their house to go to school. They're only consuming products with these additives in them. So when we think about the behavioral issues out of our children, when we think about the high disproportionate levels of certain diseases throughout communities of color, black communities, I like to say that, be very declarative. You're starting to see we have figured out there is a smoking gun. And we're putting the gun in our mouth and pulling the trigger every time with these food additives. All right. So let's tie a couple things together for uh, prepare for the next question. So we were talking earlier about uh, State Representative Ken Duncan rebelling against Michael Madigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the part of his rebellion that I completely agreed with was it was like a dictatorial control over uh, Springfield. And when that meant standing up to Bruce Rauner and his anti-union uh uh, legislation, his proposals, I, w- I was with it. But then I also realized it's a double-edged sword, uh, Willie. And in many cases, like if a powerful interest, like a food lobby, let's say, came to him and said, we want to bottle up this uh, bill. It, I know it didn't happen when Michael Joseph Maddox was in charge, folks. This is just, give me like a hypothetical. And so we want to bottle up this bill because it's not good for our industry. Chances are that bill would be bottled up. And it wasn't much better in the state Senate either, okay? Or sometimes they would bottle it up in the House so that they could vote on it. <laughs> they play that game where they allow it to come for a vote in the Senate, but then it would die in the House or vice versa, uh, And which is how they killed the school, uh, elected school board uh, bill so many times. Have things changed in Springfield, uh, Senator Preston, where your measure, even though it's uh, – opposed by very powerful economic interest, that your measure will get a fair hearing? Have things changed? I can't say that things have changed, but I think that we do have, we've made some progress. I think we have um, younger members that are less controlled as much as some of the older members uh, were, and I say that respectfully because we have some strong um, members that remained that were there were elected officials back then. I think of people like uh, State Senator Maddie Hunter, who's been just just great for me here and giving me a lot of advice. Can you know leader Lightfoot and and the like. And obviously, our Senate President Don Harmon. Um, but I think you have younger members that are um, considered to be more progressive um, that. Are, that have 
more audacity to push back against powerful industry um, than there were perhaps back then. Um, so I think that we will we will see. Um, I don't want to be one to to be champion in a victory because we haven't moved this legislation throughout the legislature yet. But I have strong um, confidence that, you know, as the chief carrier of this bill, that I am lobbying every last one of my colleagues. I'm educating everybody to the degree that they need to be, that they can be educated on this issue as quickly as possible. And, you know, we, everybody's going to have to stand up and press their button and determine if they want their, the health of their community. Uh, They're going to put that over perhaps the health of their uh, political career. And myself included, I'm a new member. This is not a small task. Ben, you've been around this place a long time. You know, all good legislation um, is that, 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 that's many times, um, as you kind of alluded to, that's pretty much a death pill for your trajectory as, a, as an elected official. My position is that we have uh, a unique opportunity to really, um, to really do some, some good that people can feel. Um, that people can have confidence walking into their grocery stores that they're not feeding their children poison. And I think when we have that type of, um, when that narrative is out there and people can really, really wrap it around their heads that this is what's at stake, the health or profits, I think think we're going to be able to move this through the legislature, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult, but Part of my job is to go out and communicate to my colleagues and to Illinoisans at large at what's at stake here and not get bogged down in an unnecessary fight. Now, we know we're in an era of misinformation. So, you know, I want to be very clear while I'm speaking on this issue. There's not one product that will be eliminated. There's not one product that will be eliminated if this bill, if Senate Bill 2637, the Illinois Food Safety Act becomes law, those same products will be, they will exist on the shelf. They'll just be that safely because 20, look, these companies are already doing it. There are 27 countries in Europe alone that have already outright banned many of these food additives. Coca-Cola, last time I checked, you can get one in, um, in the EU any time of the day. You just can't get it. You can buy, you can go on Amazon right now and get a bag of Skittles from Europe right to this day. You may pay about 20 cents more, but it just won't have that, those dangerous food additives in them. And so therefore you're enjoying that same product, same taste, not that additive in it. It are linked to these deadly diseases. And I think when people understand that, my task and job is to get out there and let people know the truth about it and not be tackled by this misinformation campaign that's probably going to come, um, that's likely to come. And if I'm able to do my job, this bill becomes law. And I'm, I'm going to do my job. Does, do you have a, is there a companion legislation in the House that's sponsored in the House? My colleague, Anna Stava Murray from DuPage County, is carrying my legislation. Um, and so the goal and plan for this legislation is to get it through the Senate. We have um, a significant number of chief co-sponsors and 
picking up co-sponsors actually today. So we have a trajectory of getting this bill through the Senate. Um, it's my understanding that the that that um, my counterpart, Representative Anastava Murray, is whipping votes over in the House right now, and they're moving it along pretty nicely. So, you know, I am cautiously optimistic, Ben. This is a big bill. I think to say that this bill is going to, you know, we, we got this at this stage, you know, uh, will be irres- irresponsible because we know we're up against a very powerful block. And like you said, if history has taught us anything is the big boys usually get what they want. But I will tell you, uh, we are in unusual times. We have a moron. Uh, a, a, we have a criminal that is running for president uh, on 90 some counts at the same time. He's leading the Republican charge. We are in uncharted territories everywhere. You have Willie Preston as the state senator of the 16th district. I, I think it's safe to say that, you know, all bets are off. So we may we, we may do something new. That's, that's a good point. Uh, and, and I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to. Uh, I didn't predict your uh, victory. I'm just going to tell it straight. I, I didn't predict it, Willie. Don't hold it against me. I said, oh, you don't beat that guy. He's up like, every union in town is for the other guy. And it, well, it was I wrong. I was like, who the hell is Willie Preston? <laughs> Listen, I'm going to tell you. Uh, I, 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 I called my father. Um, everybody on election night, I, I don't think I'll ever forget it. Um, but on election night, um, the, 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 everybody was coming to me and everybody was calling me saying, you won, you won. It was just the results that really just started coming out. And we seemed to have a very healthy margin. And I was really like, you know, wow, I, I, I'm like, I don't believe we can lose it in my mind. Uh, but I told everybody, please, let's be patient. All the votes haven't counted in. And I was very serious about that. I was kind of very superstitious about, you know, jinxing it. But when we won, I remember calling my father and I thought I had killed my dad because he screamed to the top of his lungs, we won, we won. And I, I think that was strange. So, so I don't blame you because it was at that moment I realized my dad never thought I would make it either. Yeah. <laughs> Your dad and I were in the same boat. As uh, he wanted it to happen. He has, just said, it was your me, son. Has Bill uh, 2637 had hearing that I'm unaware of? Has it been scheduled for hearings? We will. Um, we are scheduled to have a hearing on it. Gonna, it's currently uh, assigned to the Public Health Committee. It will be heard the week after next in committee. Um, you know, I look forward to you know keeping you abreast and, and updated on, on how it moves through the legislature. Because I, again, I think this is one of the, the the most consequential bills that we'll see this um this this legislative cycle. And so I think it's important. That that already is a, a mini statement because uh, under past regimes, not so much in this. Well, in the Senate again, the games they play, Colorton and Matting, we're always playing games. Uh, they, you couldn't get a hearing. You got sent to the rules committee. You got buried in rules. They didn't have enough to votes to get it out of the rules. I've heard every excuse from a state rep and an alderman, for that matter, back in the day when Ron was running things and Bailey was running things. Every excuse in the world why it was buried. Uh, it seemed like any time there was any legislation that would do good for people, it got buried. And any time there was a legislation, this is me speaking, not Senator Preston, any time there was a legislation that would give money to rich people, it got through. And uh, so we'll see how much times have changed. Uh, you're up against a lot. And we'll bring you back on the show, uh, Willie, if you're willing to come on and we'll talk about 
this and said, we've run out of time. Some of your other legislation, particularly your ID bill, which um, I would love to talk about it another time, uh, and your prison guard bill, as for that matter. Uh, but well, I appreciate you for having me on. Being, uh, you know, I've listened to your show for some time. My late great professor um, Paul Green out of Roosevelt University, uh, you know, had us listen to your show and others to, you know, kind of get ourselves really prepared for the the, the political beltway. And so this is like a, another full circle for me um, to come and. and be a guest on your show as a, as a sitting member of the Illinois General Assembly. So thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you very much. That's uh, Senator Willie Preston. Boy, do I feel old. I'm like, Ben, when I was a kid, I listened to you. No, it's all good. I really, I like it, Willie. Thank you so much. But I get, I get that a lot. They're like, you know, some, some guy else tell me, uh, when I was a kid, I saw you on TV. I have Monroe Anderson every Wednesday on my show. Uh, he, we talk politics, and Monroe Anderson has been around Chicago uh, journalism even more than I have. He gets that all the time. I'm, I've been with him in restaurants, and people come up to him. I saw you on TV back in 1980, and it's just like you know, live a long life. That's touch wood. Well, that's uh, that's that's the goal. Hey, to 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 if it's worth anything, my great grandmother is 104 years young, and she told me to never call yourself old. Um, so. I will go and see her tomorrow. Every time I hear this conversation stir up, I go and give me a, a dosage of her, of her talks. And she's doing wonderful. And her daughter, my grandmother, is uh, 89 years old. You wouldn't be able to tell it. And she's currently at Governor's State getting her master's degree in no less than computer science. So you know, I got some really great shoulders um, I'm standing on, but they're still standing. So you and yeah. man. Uh, all right. So before I let you go, this show uh, will drop on uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, before we begin the show, uh, Senator Preston told me he was not a sports fan. Let's see if he can handle this question. Uh, name the two teams who will be playing in the Super Bowl and make a prediction as to which one will be victorious. Go. Um, San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. I am a sports fan, I just I'm, I'm I'm dedicated to the people. I can't follow up like I used to. Now, I will tell you that I believe San Francisco is going to win. But my 11 year old, who is the real sports fanatic in my house now, would butcher me if I if I was with him. So, go Chiefs. <laughs> okay. He's a real uh, chief fanatic. You know, I should bring your your 11 year old. We'll do a whole Bulls conversation. My beloved Chicago Bulls. He'll never, uh, let, he'll never let you go. He'll talk it, all day. Uh, I, I love the Bulls so much. And tomorrow, uh, this show, the answer to what, what I'm about to say will be already aware, uh, be known by the time people hear this show. But a Thursday is the trade deadline. And I'm really hoping the Bulls don't trade anybody because as mediocre as they've been, they still have some hope. If you trade all your piece people and just throw away the season, then you, it's just bleak and grim and you have nothing to look forward to. Uh, so I'm hoping that the Chicago Bulls, you, you run this by your 11-year-old. I hope the Chicago Bulls don't make any trades before the – let's just see how this plays out with DeMar DeRozan and Kobe White and Andre Drummond, who, uh, Alex Caruso. And please, Chicago Bulls, just – don't listen to those sports writers who say blow up the team, okay? They'll get you nothing but trouble. I'm gonna run that past my guy. He'll he'll run him by and let me know what he says. On, on <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's gotta have a senior advisor on sports, that's for sure.
Shout out to uh, Lamar Preston, my boy. I, I mentioned you on the radio, son, so you don't have anything to get on me about. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, very good, Willie. Thank you so much. Appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, that's uh, Senator Willie Preston. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. 